from the capital city of Charleston, West Virginia, this is Inside West Virginia Politics with Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Inside West Virginia Politics. I'm your host, Mark Curtis. We're not going to talk politics much this week. Instead, we are devoting most of this show to the remembrance of an American hero and a beloved West Virginia native son. Herschel Woody Williams passed away this past week at the age of 98. Here's a look back now on his storied life and career. Happy birthday, dear Woody. Happy birthday to you. On the occasion of his 98th birthday, Herschel Woody Williams had his sunny optimism and humor on display. Don't close the gate at 98. <laughs> The year before, on his 97th birthday, he talked of being the baby in a big family, something that set the tone for his military service and life. There were 11 in my family. I was the last, last one. And <clears throat> so we had to work together. We had to support each other. We had to love each other. Oh, Born in 1923 in Marion County, Woody would enter the Marine Corps at age 19 after initially being rejected as too short at 5'6". He may have been short in stature, but he was long on guts, serving in Guam and Iwo Jima, two of the most vicious battles of World War II. It was at Iwo Jima in February 1945 that Williams, using a flamethrower like this one, attacked and destroyed several enemy pillboxes and killed dozens of Japanese troops, all while U.S. forces came under heavy machine gun fire. For his bravery and heroism, Williams was awarded the Medal of Honor by President Harry Truman. But as with so many Medal of Honor recipients, he accepted it humbly, as two of the four riflemen who flanked Williams were killed. I've been in the Medal of Honor Society since 1947, but most of them will say, it doesn't belong to me. I wear it in honor of those who never got to come home, who sacrificed their life. After World War II, Woody served in the Marine Corps Reserve and worked at the VA helping fellow veterans for decades. The Huntington VA Hospital now bears his name. He even trained with young troops, teaching his renowned flamethrower skills. Later, he launched a foundation dedicated to supporting Gold Star families that lost a loved one in defense of this country. The number of Gold Star memorials has grown, where loved ones can come grieve, reflect, and remember. That said to that community, my loved one is not coming home. April 8, 2004, United States Marine Corps, he was 21 years old. September 25th, 2020. For Williams, the Gold Star families were his enduring passion. I walk in the footprints of somebody else. I was born free because somebody gave his life to make it possible for me to be born free. And we must not forget ever. In recent years, the Navy ship USS Woody Williams was launched, and the response was his classic humility and gratitude. I'm very, very grateful that uh, this country boy from West Virginia would have a ship with his name on it that will sail the seven seas long after I'm gone. 
Our final interview with Woody took place just weeks ago on Memorial Day in Huntington. In noting the nation's often divisive politics, this may be Williams's enduring message. But somehow we must return to the country that we love as a United States of America. That's what they fought for. They fought for a United States of America. This monument depicts the Battle of Iwo Jima where Woody fought so bravely. At the bottom, simply one word, patriot. And that describes Woody Williams to a T. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back this weekend to our tribute to Herschel Woody Williams, who passed away this week at the age of 98. The year 2020 was a big year for Woody. Our reporter Lily Bradley spent a lot of time with him, and here's her story. 97 years and a story for each one. West Virginia's own Herschel Woody Williams has lived an amazing life, but never a year quite like 2020. Well, I've had so many functions, it's very difficult to remember them all. I first sat down with the American hero back in February on the 75th anniversary of the day that would change his life forever. Very difficult for me to even realize it's been 75 years now, I, but, uh, some of it is still very vivid. Much of it, of course, is uh, gone in the past because didn't make any particular effort to, to remember. But some of the things we can never forget. Things and people who can never be forgotten. That's what drives his dedication to honor Gold Star families through the Herschel Woody Williams Medal of Honor Foundation. 2020 saw the dedication of monuments, highways, and bridges for fallen servicemen and women all across the country. And may she have God's blessing. In March, a special honor. For a long life of service. In Norfolk, Virginia. To the greatest country on earth. With his daughters by his side, he watched the USNS Herschel Woody Williams become the USS Herschel Woody Williams. Living namesake, member of the greatest generation, and uh, with, a, with a fabulous, uh, fabulous story to tell. A fabulous story with a wink from above. The ceremony taking place on a special day. March 7th is the birthday of my wife. Uh, I lost her 13 years ago. She went to be with the Lord. For that to happen on her birthday, there is no explanation for that. At 97, he credits good genes, a good sense of humor, and something else to his longevity. I have a lot of people who ask me, well, what do you attribute to your long life to? And I'll give them my card. I'll give you a card if you'd like to have one. Take a card. All right. Yeah, I'll take a, a daily card. drink of a special concoction. I began drinking vinegar and honey back in those days, and I've been doing it ever since. I did this morning. And while many things have changed throughout his 97 years, and even in 2020 itself, some are constant, like his love for his family and country, a kind heart, and his humble nature. And I keep asking that same little question that I've asked many, many times in my life, why me? 
And we are now joined by anchor reporter Lily Bradley. Great job on the Woody story. Mark, you, thank you, and thank you for letting me be here. It was quite a year following him around. You, you covered a lot of territory. 2020 was almost when the world stopped, right? Nothing was happening, nothing was going on, but Woody Williams, he never stops, right? He kept going, and he, he loved what he did, and it was so fun to see him at all of those events trudging along while the rest of the world kind of stood still. I've got to share a cute Woody story because I don't want this all to be somber and sad. I mean, right. we love the man. So I get to Jaeger Airport at 4 o'clock one morning, October <laughs> of 2018, because I've got to fly to Washington to go to the White House for a bill signing. Of course, I see Senator Shelley Moore Capito there. <laughs> She's on the same flight, and she says, Mark, look who's over there. And I look across the aisle, and there's Woody Williams in full-dress uniform. And, and, and Senator Capito said, Mark, do you know how Woody got here today? I said, I don't know. She goes, he drove himself from Ona <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning. And she said, do you know how he remembered to wake up to drive to the airport today to go to Washington, D.C.? I said, I have no idea, Senator. She goes, he programmed Siri to wake him up. Now, at the time, he was 94 years old. Here's a guy who's sharp as a tack. Mm. Physically, he could probably take myself out in the airport parking lot and kick my butt. And, and mentally, just sharp as a tack. And, and he never shied away from technology. He would always, he was FaceTiming his family, FaceTiming his friends. Our Amanda Barron has stories of him FaceTiming her. She was supposed to be at the ship christening in Norfolk and couldn't make it because she was sick. And Woody took the time to FaceTime her just to say hello. And that, I think, also talks to the kind of person he was. He was always making it about other people, never about himself. And he was so remarkable. He had every right to make it about himself, but he never did. Yeah, I, I, there's an organization, is it the Marine Corps Legion or the Legion of Marines? They had their national conference, I think, two Saturdays ago in Texas, and he participated via Zoom. Yes. I mean, the, the guy was just amazing. And I think his legacy, and, and you chip, chime in on this too, um, the Gold Star Monuments. Those, I talked to some of the moms this week who go there and mm -hmm. pay tribute to their children lost in the line of duty, and they sit there peacefully, reflect, and remember, and it's all because of Woody Williams. And what a beautiful gift to give to those family members. And, and he encouraged those family members to share their stories and share their stories of their loved ones to make sure their names are not forgotten as well. We will never forget Woody Williams' name. That is written in the history books, right? But we will also never forget those names of those Gold Star families, and that's because of Woody. Well said and well done on the reporting. Lily Thank Bradley, thanks for joining us. We'll have more of our special coverage and remembrances of Woody Williams after this break. Stay with us. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. We are talking about the life and legacy of a West Virginia legend on the passing of Herschel Woody Williams. I'm joined by Secretary of Veterans Affairs for the state of West Virginia, Ted Diaz. Uh, good to have you on the program. Always, um, always glad to be here. Woody Williams was something else. First of all, you told me he was one of your mentors. Talk about that. He was. I I was born and raised in Huntington, and I mean, of course, Woody's a legend. Woody has been a legend uh, and a hero of mine. I mean, I read read so long ago, you know, his his story, what he did as a uh, as a young child um, growing up in Huntington. Um, I would talk to you know the veterans across the city. Um, my dad knew many of them, and Woody's legend, it, it just, it got me more stirred up, interested in patriotism. 
and you know military history and it made me made me feel proud be a West Virginia resident and be a West Virginia citizen even as a young kid one of the places we saw him a lot in recent years speaking of young kids in school classrooms talking to young people. He wasn't there to recruit for the military, no. but you know that, that part of the, his bravery and his courage and his story inspires young people. Talk about the importance of him reaching out and teaching the youngest in our society about uh, bravery and courage and patriotism. His story, it, it shows what it is to be, to have love for your country and love for your fellow you know, your fellow American and what is possible you know what is possible through adversity what can you overcome and what it means to to be part of something bigger than what you are you mentioned the word adversity and it reminds me of maybe his one of his biggest and lasting legacies, getting the Gold Star monuments put throughout the state of West Virginia. We yes. know there's one at the Capitol, there's one at the cemetery, but he's trying to get, you know, tried to get other ones around the state. How important is it that we honor and support those families, the Gold Star families that lost a loved one in defense of this country? The sacrifices that these families have made and are making, that, that should be a tribute to to what their fallen loved ones have, have sacrificed for our country, for our state, for, for people around the world. Those memorials, they transcend West Virginia. I mean, they were a huge part of West Virginia, but they transcend West Virginia. I've had my counterparts in Texas and in other states just reach out to me and say how beautiful, what a beautiful statement these memorials are. And it's not just the memorials. When you go to a service or an event at one of the memorials and you meet the Gold Star moms or other Gold Star family members, they are the most strong, um, loving, caring people. They just, it, it gives them strength, the support they get from the people in this state. And yet sharing their stories is also very powerful. Their strength, their strength and love are, they are so moving. I remember meeting uh, one of the Gold Star Mothers at, a, uh, at an event at the uh, West Virginia State Veterans Cemetery out in the Institute. And her, I couldn't help but kneel down and you know, just, uh, I started crying with her. It was amazing. And Woody's, Woody's work through the years advocating for veterans and our military has been inspirational to many generations, our past generations and future generations to come. Yeah, the, the lesson here is Woody Williams may be gone, but his legacy lives on. Uh, it's just an amazing story, 98 years of great service to this yes. country. God bless him. We want to thank Ted Diaz, Secretary of Veterans Affairs, for joining us and sharing his uh, memories and his love for Woody Williams. Always a pleasure. 
Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And welcome back this weekend to our final segment on Inside West Virginia Politics. We're going to shift gears and talk about something new here in West Virginia, the Intermediate Court of Appeals. Let me introduce the Chief Judge, the Honorable Dan Greer, who is the new Chief Judge of the Interim Court of Appeals. Uh, exciting time for you and your family and this new position, new court for the state. Absolutely. It's not often in a, in a state that's 159 years old that you get to be the first of something in state government, but that's what we're doing. Uh, on July 1, we'll be opening a brand new court in West Virginia, the Intermediate Court. And uh, the Supreme Court for over a year has been working hard to put this together after the legislature passed the bill in 2021. And myself and fellow judges, uh, Judge Lawrenson and Judge Scar, have been working hard since around the first week of May to get this ready and rolling. And we're ready to hit the ground running next week for the people of West Virginia. Now, how's this going to work? Most states in the country do have an intermediate court of appeals, like the federal level. Uh, a few don't. Um, uh, what happens now instead of somebody appealing their case if they lose their case or they get an unfavorable ruling instead of going straight to the state Supreme Court they come to you folks? Yeah that, that's basically true and we're the 42nd state to have an intermediate court but it'll work a little bit differently depending on what type of claim you're talking about. Criminal abuse and neglect and juvenile cases they're going to go still straight to the Supreme Court. We don't have jurisdiction over those cases but a typical civil case a lawsuit between parties uh, once a circuit court makes its ruling that appeal will come to us and then to the Supreme Court. Family law cases, uh, for the most part, now those go to circuit court when there's an appeal, uh, and the circuit court can decide to hear that case or not. Now those cases will come to us, and we'll decide every one of those cases we get on the merits. We won't be declining to hear any of those cases. We'll be hearing all those cases. Uh, administrative law appeals uh, now go to circuit judges. They'll be coming to us for orders entered after July 1, and we'll also hear all those cases. Um, and finally, workers' comp. Currently, decisions of the Board of Review go to the Office of Judges. Uh, that entity, the Office of Judges, is being phased out and will be eliminated by the end of September uh, for orders entered after July 1. July 1 and after those workers' comp appeals will come to us now. So it's important for lawyers and citizens to know as of orders entered July 1, there's going to be some changes in where those appeals are filed, and that's really important to know. And that was my next question. What's your best instruction for the lawyers? What's your best instruction to the public for how to handle these changes? Um, for lawyers, I would really recommend that they go to the State Bar website, the West Virginia State Bar, because there's good training on there and information about the new jurisdiction and the new e-file system that's going to be in place for all appeals to either the Supreme Court or the ICA come July 1. So attorneys need to hit that State Bar website and get that training. For the public, if there's any question, they have a case, and if they're representing themselves, they really need to avail themselves of the assistance that the clerks can give, both at the circuit clerk level and also the clerk of the Supreme Court, Edie Geis, uh, will be serving as the clerk for both the Supreme Court and the Intermediate Court of Appeals. So if there's any questions about these procedures or where or how to file, those citizens need to get in contact with the clerk's office and get that information. As you know, when this was all being debated in the legislature, there was concerns about the cost. Are we adding another layer of government and bureaucracy? Your thoughts on that as we go forward? Do you look forward to this being an efficient and effective system? Absolutely, and for a couple of reasons. We're going to take some of the workload off of our circuit judges as you know, 
uh, just their amount of work with abuse, neglect, those kinds of things is overwhelming. And we're taking some of these cases, the appeals and family law, the appeals and administrative law off their plate and allow them to free some time to their important responsibilities that they have. Same with the Supreme Court. We're going to take the first bite of the apple on these civil cases and take some of that workload off of them. So we think all three levels of the judiciary can work more efficiently. And actually, in the long run, we think it can be a time and cost saver for the litigants of West Virginia. All right. We wish you the best as you go forward. Chief Judge Dan Greer of the new Intermediate Court of Appeals here in West Virginia. You know, it occurs to me it's 4th of July weekend. Yes, it is. And we got to do something special to end the show here. I'm going to hand you uh, the portrait of your son. Uh, this is Josh Greer. United States Marine Corps Second Lieutenant. Yes, sir. And this is Allie Curtis in the middle between her and her mom and myself. Uh, we're very proud of our kids, aren't we? That Absolutely. Proud of their service. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's July 4th weekend. We honor those who serve this country. Um, West Virginia loves its veterans like no other state. Absolutely. And, and we have a long, proud history of that. And we're certainly proud parents of both of our kids and their service to our nation. All right. So as we go, we're going to send a, you off with some uh, close up photos of uh, First Lieutenant. Josh Greer, yes. United States Marine Corps, and uh, First Lieutenant Allie Curtis, Alexandra Curtis, United States Army. We are proud of them both, and we are proud of all West Virginians and all of our viewers who serve this nation or who have served it in the past. And as we honor those who are serving in uniform today and those who have served in the past, we certainly want to remember Herschel Woody Williams, an American hero, a West Virginia icon who passed away this week at the age of 98. And federal lawmakers each and every Sunday morning on WOWK-TV in Charleston, WBOY-TV in Clarksburg, WDVM in the Eastern Panhandle, WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Inside West Virginia Politics is a Nexstar Media Group production hosted and managed by Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.